At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. The context of the book of Ruth. I just love the book of Ruth because of just the wonderful themes that are in the book. It's, it's a very um, just encouraging book, if you will. And we saw a friend in trouble uh, in the person of Ruth in chapter 1 and the different kinds of trouble that uh, Naomi went through with her family, bitterness, brokenness, and uh, just the bad times. And then we came to chapter 2, and we just saw grace everywhere. We saw the grace in uh, the life or in the person of Ruth. Grace, the grace of God, it was her hap, the happenstance. It's just coming across the field of Boaz and uh, all of that and how God worked on that behalf. The grace of Boaz and being so kind to this Gentile woman uh, that was gleaning in her field. And then the grace of Naomi also, as we saw there in the end of the chapter. So now we're in chapter 3, and I'd like to read it for us. There's 18 verses, but I, I want you to get the story and uh, see that and as we go back and reflect on it. So we are in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her daughter, Shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz our kindred, whose, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, anoint thee, and put, on, put raiment, thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch thou hast not followed, thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requires, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now is it true that I, now it is true that I am a near, thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of the kinsman of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. She lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another, and she said, Let it he said, Let it not be known that a woman came to the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that, is, that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when he, she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went to the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. 
And she said, these six measures of barley he gave me, for he said to me, go not empty to thy mother-in-law. And she said, sit still, my daughter, till thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. What a blessing it is. I just love the story and, and the, the true things that take, put, took place here many, many years ago. And just uh, the wonderful pictures that are here of Christ and his church and, and all that you do for us. God, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged tonight. I pray that you would give me liberty to preach, Lord, that you were just your Holy Spirit would work and through this message and you would communicate the things you want to communicate to all of us. And so I leave this time with you, pray that you would work through it. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it a blessing to have rest? I mean, you're supposed to go on vacation, right, to get rest, but, but how often do we really get rest? Years ago, I was talking to one of our people here in the church that was going through just a real stressful time, and they went camping and took their little camper and went off and just camped, and they, told, they confessed afterward. They said, man, that first day we were there, we just got away and got in our camper, and, and we slept almost 24 hours. And uh, sometimes, I wasn't able to quite do it this time, but when I go out to men's retreat, man, they have that afternoon, uh, and when, they, when, they, when, they, when they, you know, everybody goes off to play, my secret is, don't tell anybody, I like to go take a nap, just a long one, and just, just you know, to the point where you just go kind of into a coma, and you can't wake up. Um, but uh, it's so nice to have rest. It's nice to have rest in other ways, too. You know, we, we had the Stepanik family that was here in the church for a while, and, and uh, both of those kids, Sandra and, and Joel, were adopted out of Guatemala. They were in an orphanage down there, and the, um, the Stepaniks reached out and adopted them out of that or orphanage. And really, brought, they brought them back to the United States here, and, the, and those two young people had rest. They were, they were adopted. They finally had a, a family, a home. And, and I just, I, I admire that so much. What a, what a wonderful thing. I have a friend of mine who adopted four kids from Japan and gave them a home. And uh, what a blessing it is to have that rest. This passage here, if you'll look back in chapter 3, and you'll see here in verse 1, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? that it may be well with thee. And I want to talk to us tonight about rest. I think this word for rest is found seven times in the Old Testament. We won't look at those, but, but we're going to consider tonight the rest that is found in the Redeemer. There is another key thought in this passage, and that is the thought of the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer. And we're going to see that as we go through the passage. There's a wonderful rest that we have in Jesus Christ, our kinsman Redeemer. And so, let's look here. They're going to see several things. We're going to see the word for rest, the want for rest, the way for rest, and the wait for rest as we get to the end of the chapter. So let's take a look at Naomi's words to Ruth and see the word for rest. By the way, we get to have the word and give it to people that will bring them rest. We get to be carriers of rest, if you will. And it says in the passage, Naomi is the bearer of the good word, and she is, tells her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And that is the whole purpose of the word 
that it would be that they would find rest and it would go well. There's a word in the New Testament. It's panaros. Panaros is the word for wicked or evil. In the Lord's Prayer, it's the word deliver us from evil. Um, in Mark 7, 22 and 23, when it talks about um, all of the different wicked things, the adultery and, 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 and the thefts and, and murders and all of that, all of those come out of an evil heart. And so this idea of evil is just all through the New Testament. And it, it's part of our, our unsaved nature, if you will. And the word means this. It means full of labor. Just full of trouble, labor, hardship, causing pain and trouble. And I don't know about you, man. If I get, if I get a splinter, I want to get it out. Um... If, if there's a job, I want to get it done. Um, if there's some kind of annoyance, like firecrackers going to what time last night? I just want them to be done, okay? <laughs> um, full of labor, to have some rest. God says about the wicked, there's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There's no rest for them. Matter of fact, in Revelation, it talks about the people that follow the Antichrist and what will happen to them. And this is very, very troubling when you see it in Revelation chapter 14, verse 11, talking about those who receive the mark of the beast and worship him and how they're going to drink of the wine of the wrath of God that's going to be poured out without mixture. There's no diluting of God's wrath, as you see in Revelation 14, 10. It's just going to be pulled out, poured out in full strength and the Bible says he's gonna, he shall torment with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. They will be standing there witnessing the torment of those who follow the Antichrist. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have, do you see it? No rest day and night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Listen, there is, a, there is an influence in the world today. People don't care about truth. They don't love truth. They are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And, and it is pulling them right into this train of the Antichrist. The only hope is to love the truth and to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to love him more than you love pleasure. To love the truth. Because if you don't, there's an eternity without rest. No rest. And Naomi wants to offer Ruth rest, just a certain peace. And you see the words of persuasion that she, give, that she gives. By the way, we, we are ministers of reconciliation. Be reconciled to God, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's, that's our job. The we... We are ambassadors for him, and we give out the word of reconciliation. I hope you'll make that a heart, heart cry. I hope that'll, that'll be something that sticks with you all of your life, that you just want to lead people to the Lord, keep sowing the seed, keep working towards this. It's, it's not an easy task, like, the, like it says in Romans, Lord, who hath believed our report? There is that aspect to it, but 
But there is also the aspect, too, that with the, those who do give out the good message have beautiful feet, and the Lord praises that. And so this persuasive message to, to give out the good message, what, is, what are some of the things that are persuasive? Well, here in the text, she says in chapter 3, verse 12, now, is not Boaz our kindred? Boaz is Rahab's son. Rahab the harlot. Boaz is her son. He, her, his mother is a Gentile. His father is a Jew. And he is in the family with the family of Elimelech. He is a relative. And he is a, he is a very influential and powerful relative. And he's their kindred. Man, that's exciting. You know, if you have a generous, rich uncle and he knows you and you're his favorite, isn't that cool? All right. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ the Son of God became a man so that he could redeem us. Boy, we have a relative. Oh, he's powerful, and he loves us. And he's the one that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he, was, he took on human form. Touched, sympathetic, oh, sympathy with us. You see his association. Her, another, another word of persuasion here is the attention. Look in the verse. Naomi reminds Ruth. Now, in verse 2, now, now is not Boaz our kindred whose maidens thou wast? You had the privilege of being with his maidens. What's that all about? Back in chapter 2 and verse 8, here's what it's about. Boaz said to Ruth, hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Wow, for a Gentile woman to be in the field of this supposed Jew, he's a half, he's half-breed, right? To be, to be in, in this Jew's field and, and for him to say, look, you don't go to any other field, you stay right by my maidens. Grace, you know, that's a, that's a persuasive mes message. By grace are you saved. It's grace upon grace that he gives. You know, the Lord is sure kind. It is a gift. Aren't you glad? We aren't in some religion where you have to every day fiddle through a bunch of beads or, or, or light candles or do these things. Isn't it nice that Jesus paid it all, all to him I own? Whew. We don't have to earn it. Grace. His availability. Go down tonight, tonight, and the threshing floor. He's going to be there. Now's the time. Now's the accepted time. Now's the day of salvation. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. This is the day of rest. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now's the time. 
I'm so thrilled this morning to hear that somebody came to Christ. Wow, that's such a thrilling thing. Today's the day. And you see not only her purpose and her persuasion to to Naomi. Look, he's a relative. um, Now's the time. He's been so gracious to you. Now, all of good reasons to be saved. And then she says, she talks about the presentation here. Here's the word of rest. She says, here's how you present yourself. She says, wash yourself. Go down tonight, wash yourself, put clean raiment, this raiment on, and go down to the floor. Make, don't make yourself known, but it, she says this in verse 4. It shall be when he lies down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. It's dark. You better, you better see where he is because you're going to need to come to that place. That place is going to be the place of mercy. Right there. Mark the place. For us, it's not the heap of some grain hill. For us, the place is the cross of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, it says this in verse 20. Colossians 1.20, he says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. He plays the part of a kinsman redeemer, and it happened at the cross of Christ. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that believe not. And it's through the cross that we're reconciled. And and all of those things were against us. All of the crimes, all of the sins are nailed to his cross. By the way, he was the one that was nailed. Bearing all our sins in his body, in his own body on the tree. So here's this wonderful message that Naomi has for Ruth. It's a word of rest. How do you think... Ruth is going to respond to this. Oh boy, everybody likes a romance story, right? So here we go. Take a look in verse 5. She said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. You know what? This is exciting. This is a thrilling thing. She wants the rest. And it's always thrilling to come across somebody who wants the rest. They want Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're looking, they're searching, and they, and they want it. And when somebody gives them the, the word and tells them how they can find Christ as their Savior, they, they, they say, everything that this says in the book, that's what I want. I want to take Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to be saved. You know, that surrender, that surrender completely to him, so important. There's a passage in the book of Romans chapter chapter 10, and it says this in verse 3. It talks about different people, and it says in Romans 10, 3, they being ignorant of God's righteousness. You see, Jesus Christ, God, came to this earth, and the perfect sinless one died in our place because of our sins so that we could have forgiveness. And they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, what Christ has done, and going about to establish their own righteousness, trying to be good people to get to heaven, they've not submitted, submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. There are a lot of religious people that are, going, that, are, that, are, that are just rebels against God. And they talk about Jesus, and they talk about God, but they're rebels because they've not submitted to his way. Faith alone in Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Rebels. We talked about rebels this morning. 
Rebellion's like the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is really the worship of Satan. Oh, to have that rest. To obey, to do whatever the Lord Jesus wants us to do. You know, some people fight with the Lord and they, all of this, and then finally the Lord just thumps them and they say, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do. And they take Christ as their Savior. Man, what, what a precious thing that is. There's a passage in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 and 8, and it says this. Let me read it for you. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. And to you who are troubled, you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the restful and there's the rebellious. Which one are you? Are you restful in Christ? Have you come to him and like he says, come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Have you come to him and gotten rest from Jesus Christ? Are you still a rebel? Still serving the devil. So you see her surrender. You see her search. So back to our text here. So she goes down to the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And the Bible says in verse 7, she, when Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry, and he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn or barley. And, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. Oh. You know, it's a precious thing when you see somebody at the feet of Jesus. I think of Mary. You know, Mary's at the feet of Jesus with her, with, with her to study, to sit there and learn of Jesus. That's a precious thing. Mary's at the feet of Jesus when she, she's pouring out that precious ointment in sacrifice and, and, and worship and love of the Lord. And then Mary's at the feet of Jesus when, in her sorrow when her brother dies. That's a precious thing to be at the feet of Jesus. But you know what? We need to be at the feet of Jesus like the woman in Luke chapter 7, verse 8, that, that woman of ill repute that came in when Jesus was at Simon's house and she anointed, the Bible says in Luke chapter 7 and verse 38, she stood behind weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head. She's at the feet of Jesus. She's weeping and wiping his feet off with her tears. And then she anoints them with ointment. And, this, and the Pharisee sees this, and he says, boy, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't be allowing this. And his name's Simon. And Jesus tells a little, a little parable about who, who would love the Lord most. And at the end of the story, it says this. It says in verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth middle, little. And he said to her, he, just, he point blank looks at her and he says, Thy sins are forgiven. Everybody at the table began to say within themselves, Who's this that can forgive sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. The most precious thing to do is come to the feet of Jesus Christ to get the forgiveness that you need. And you come in faith, believing he is the Son of God. He's died for you and risen again, and you take him. Mm. Forgiven. Burden off. Acceptable with God. She wants, she wants the rest, too. She comes searching. She comes softly. She comes, if I can put it this way, she comes humbly broke, if you will, needy, 
earnestly desiring what, what Boaz can offer in this redemption. And so, so should you. And then you see her speech. So it's kind of, kind of an uh, interesting thing here. At midnight, I can just imagine. He just senses something. I don't know if he hears a rustling or something. He looks up and hears somebody at his feet. Have you ever been so, you've just been so caught off guard and just scared spitless? I used to try to do this to the fellows at the, my, on my work crew. Nice boss, right? So, you know, work crew in the, in the alumni building when I was crew chief. I had 17 guys. And it was always fun to try to just surprise them as they're doing their work, not really paying attention. Just catch them off guard. Just, <laughs> you know, that kind of surprise. Um, he, he's just startled. And he says in the passage that he's afraid. He turns himself, a woman's at his feet. He says, who art thou? <clears throat> Ruth. Oh, boy. She says, spread the, therefore your skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Her speech. She wanted the kinsman redeemer to step in for her. It's an interesting thing. So in the land of Israel, everybody gets their inheritance and it's passed down. It started back in the days of Joshua when they conquered the land and divided it up. The families had their property and it stays in the family permanently. And if you sell it off, really you're just selling the crops and the, and the right to farm that property for a period of time because on, the, on, the, on Jubilee, on the 50th year, no matter where things are with debts and all of that, you get all your property back in the family. It comes back. The problem with Elimelech and his, their sons, they got so poor, they, they sold off the property to, to somebody, and they went off to Moab, and then it didn't go well for them there either, and so they couldn't come back and redeem their own property. And so now they've lost their farm, they're going to have to wait to the year of Jubilee. And then worse yet, there's no heirs, which is a big deal. And so Naomi now comes back, and she, she should be looking for a kinsman redeemer, the family member who is closest, who, who is able, to, who able and willing to buy the property back and get it back in the family, and if there's a widow, to raise up children to inherit that property back. So it stays in, in the family down through the generations. Very important. Naomi's beyond those years of bearing children. So Naomi gets this idea. She says, I'm going to give my right of seeking a kinsman redeemer. I'm going to give it to Ruth. And Ruth can... can approach the kinsman redeemer and see if he will marry her. And, and then, if he marries her, they can have children, and that, that child can inherit the property, which later, down through history, becomes the property of Jesse and the family of David. And so, her speech is, spread therefore your skirt over your handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. In other words, she's just really making a proposal here to marriage. And she has, it's her responsibility. In our culture, it's not the woman's job to go, you know, proposing the husband. But in this situation, because of the Leverite law, 
in which you marry your brother if your husband dies, you marry the brother. It's again to, to keep an inheritance and keep the property in the family. And that's back in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. All of that law is there. And so she's seeking this, and she wants the kinsman redeemer. Back in the book of Genesis, when God made man, he gave him dominion over this earth and the things that are in it. And through the fall, we lost all of that. And through Jesus Christ, we get, back, we, we get it back. We can have it back. We can have the redemption. We can have the inheritance for all eternity with him. It's such a precious thing to be saved. And I just, I thank the Lord for saving me. Whew. I didn't deserve it. Neither did you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but just how the Lord worked in my life and, and brought me to a point where I, where I came and I saw and I trusted. I just thank the Lord for my pastor back at Monument Bible Church, James Maxwell, back in those days and just preaching the gospel. Man, he was a soul winner. And it was under that ministry, that man, that I came to know Christ as my Savior. And, um, and also my, my, my folks were, were given the gospel and just, I just thank the Lord. So good. Well, she wanted the rest. How about you? Number three. Number three, the way for the rest. So how does, how, how does the rest come about? We'll take a look here. Verse 10. Let's keep moving. Want to get it done. The way for rest comes by his prospering. He blesses her, and he says, you showed more kindness at the latter end than at the beginning. The beginning kindness was when she was loyal to Naomi and said, I'm, I'm going to stick with you till death. That was the kindness that she showed. That has said, that is the Hebrew word. It's, it's a loyal, loving kindness. And now Boaz is saying, if we could put it in this, just kind of this vernacular, wow, Ruth, you're going even a step farther. And I think it's deeper than just the romance. I think it's deeper in the sense that Ruth is willing to enter into all of this to, to, to keep all that belonged to Elimelech in the family and to raise up an heir. And of course, there's all of these benefits for her too but that she was willing to not just go with Naomi, but she was willing to enter into this marriage and all that it involved for the, for the sake of the inheritance. And it really reveals her faith in the God of Jehovah and the promises that God has with his people in the land. So there's a blessing. He blesses her. You know, how blessed are those whose sins are forgiven who the Lord does not impute iniquity. That's what it says. There's a blessing that comes in with the kinsman redeemer. There's his pleasure. He says, your, your favor is in as much as you've not followed young men rich or poor. And his pleasure in her, in her loving kindness, you've showed loving kindness, in her virtue. Look in verse 11. Now, my daughter, fear not, for I will do to thee all that thou requires, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. In his, his pleasure in a virtuous woman, in a woman of loving kindness and character. Hey, girls, it's not about the pretty looks. 
at the end of the day, it's about your character. Now, take care of the looks, too. That does help. But if you've got the looks, you don't have the character. Mm, 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 mm. It's ugly. It's like a ring of gold and a pig's snout. That's what the proverb says. But if you've got the character, whoo, character something else. And he was pleased in his potential bride here that she was a woman of character. There's only three times with the word virtue, with that phrase virtuous woman's in the Old Testament. It's here, it's in Proverbs 12:4, and it's in Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman. And, and what a crown to a husband a virtuous woman is. And you know, the Lord wants a bride who has character. You see his peace that he speaks to her in the passage in verses 11 through. Everybody knows you're a virtuous woman, but there's a, there's a kinsman closer than I. You tarry this night, and if, if he won't do the part of the kinsman, then I'll do it. He says there, then will I do it. He, he says, don't fear, I, I'm willing to do it. Now that, you know, there's always, how would you like that situation, ladies? You know, well, maybe the other guy is going to end up marrying you. The one that hasn't been kind. The one that you don't even know. And he speaks peace to her. Don't fear. I'm going to do it. I will do it. And I think of our Savior. He has, he has, he has done all that he could do to work peace for us and take away our fears. You know, if I had a show of hands, how many of you got saved because you just are afraid of going to hell? <laughs> yeah, right here, Randy David. Um, the peace that the Lord gives. He's my helper, I will not fear. You see his presence, he says, you tarry here this night. That's what we're doing. It's nighttime. I'm not talking about the time of day, I'm talking about the time of history. It's night. It's dark. It's going to get darker. And then the sun's going to burst forth and we're going to see our Savior. But we tarry this night with him. He is with us. And all oh, the wonders and the promises that he has for us. And he gives us some wonderful assurances. Verse 15, bring the veil that's upon you. Hold it out. From what I can discern, Somebody said he, he may have put on her as much as 60 pounds of grain. I don't know how many of you women can carry, you can carry a 50-pound bag of dog food. I won't have a raise of hands, okay? Add another 10 pounds to that and carry that back up, to, up the hill to Bethlehem because Bethlehem's on a hill. Now, I don't know if it's that much, but I'll tell you this. It's a wonderful promise that he's going to keep his word. Lades, loads that lady up with all that she can carry. And when you and I get saved, the Lord loads us up with something. The Holy Spirit. Oh, wow, what a load that is. What a, what a difference he makes. And he seals us with the Holy Spirit, and it's a, it's a promise. I mean, she's carrying that load back, but I'm sure it's just light to her because she knows that's a promise. He's going to carry through with this thing. He's going to do the job of redemption. And so you see the way for rest. It's through the kinsman redeemer. It's through his willingness and his heart for, to, to, to take the bride to himself. And Jesus Christ came and died for us, and he loves us, and this is his desire and heart for us as a kinsman redeemer. And then there's the last point, and I'm done with this. Verse 16. 
She came to her mother-in-law and she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And this last point is the wait for rest. We're, we're waiting for the rest. We're not quite there yet. Ruth isn't quite married yet, and we're, she's waiting. Don't you think that's kind of a strange question? She comes in and she says, Who are you? Well, how about if we put it this way? Are you still Malon's widow? Or are you the fiancé of Boaz? Who are you? Are you still tied to the dead man? Are you tied to the man of life? That's a good question. You know, Satan's, he's going down. His way is death, eternal death in the lake of fire. And you stick with him, that's where you go. But you can be paired up with the, with the, with the redeemer of life. Who are you? So I think it was a very appropriate question when she walked in the door. Who are you, my daughter? I think she says, my daughter. Does she say that? Yeah. Who are you, my daughter? Well, I'm your daughter, uh, daughter-in-law. No, that's what she was asking. And she told her all that the man had done to her. Hey, do you have something to tell what Christ has done to you? I think we do. He said, she said, these six measures of barley he gave me, for he said to me, go not empty to thy mother-in-law. A new name. We belong to Boaz. We belong to the kinsman redeemer. A new blessing. These, these, these six measures, this wonderful promise. When Naomi saw the, the, the load of grain on, on Ruth, she just smiled. She knew it was all good. And you know, when people see the Holy Spirit in our lives and the load of grain that Christ has given, oh, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's reason to smile. He's given us the seal of the Holy Spirit. And she actually says, don't you go, he's told me, don't go empty to your mother-in-law. In other words, he was letting Naomi know he's going to carry through with this thing. And so Naomi says to, to Ruth, you sit still, my daughter, till you know how the matter will fall. The man will not be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. And, and you know, we're sitting still. We're just, we're just waiting. He's going to come quickly. It's going to, he is going to take care of it quickly. He says so in Revelation 22, 20. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Man, we're just, we're just waiting. I suppose she was as antsy as any young woman could be that day. Sit still. And uh, she's just, you know, you're up again. What are you doing? Just, just sit. It's all going to work out. Yeah, I know. I just want to know how it's all going to go. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. I close with this. I heard a voice behind me, Revelation 14, 13, from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. You know, this poor woman before, she was eking out a hard existence. She was a poor woman. She was out gleaning in the field in the hot sun. And with just a matter of days, her whole life has changed. And it comes from the kinsman redeemer. He does the same kind of work today. His name is not Boaz. His name is Jesus Christ. And he has come for us. And he has, and he has redeemed us. And we are the bride if we will submit and yield to him. Will you?
Father, thank you so much for your word. I do pray that you would help us to be encouraged as we look for the blessed coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, with your coming is our rest. So Father, help us to just sit still, be patient, be joyful with anticipation of what you're going to do. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Pear Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10:13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead then you may right now pray. And according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Pear Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.